0: Okay, Top Tribe, this week's winner of the $100 is Zach Ferran. He's a 22-year-old Apple employee, and he's listening to the show and loving it. For your chance to win $100 every Monday, simply subscribe to the podcast on iTunes now, and then text the word Nathan to 33444 to prove that you did it to enter. Guys, if you want an easy tool to use to book your meetings back to back, to batch your calls, to make sure people actually show up when they schedule, you want to use Acuity Scheduling. It's what I use for all my podcast interviews at NathanLatka.com forward slash schedule. I'll tell you more about how I use it later on in the episode. Nathan Latka here, this is episode 479. Coming up tomorrow morning, you're gonna learn from Brandon Fu, who runs Polymail, a Y Combinator backed company that's raised $1 million and just hit 20,000 users. Top Tribe. Good morning. Nathan Latka. here. Our guest today is CEO Ray Granger, and he's the founder and CEO of Mavenlink, where he's leading the mission to reinvent the way businesses do work. He's dedicated much of his career to helping clients succeed and brings over 25 years of experience in software and high technology consulting to Mavenlink. He began his career at Accenture, which I know many of you have heard of, where he spent 17 years honing his experience in professional services management as global managing partner. During that time, he also invested in several technology companies through Accenture Technology Ventures, including enterprise knowledge management vendor Inquira. He later became executive vice president of professional services and strategic alliances at that company, which was acquired by Oracle in 2011. And that is where he met his Mavenlink co-founders, Roger and Sean. Let's jump into the story. Ray, are you ready to take us to the top? I am. Thank okay. you. All right. Very good. So you have been—you uh, kind of been in the corporate world, been in the startup world, gone back and forth. Let me start you off with a softball here. Which one do you like more? Uh, corporate world. Corporate world. Okay, interesting. Corporate so for five hundred. Five hundred. <laughs> good. So take us kind of through the process. Uh, let's start at your time at Accenture. The moment you met Roger and Sean, how did you know? And I, I assume this is when you were making the investments on behalf of uh. The, the fund there, Accenture Technology Ventures, or no?
1: Exactly, yeah in 2000, uh, you know, during the, the height of the dot-com boom, Accenture Technology Ventures had had a, a successful exit out of Siebel for a billion dollars. We set up a venture fund where we invested in a number of companies, typically startup software companies. One of those companies was Inquira. I think Siri for the web back in the day. They're yep. really exciting AI technology, NLP technology. Uh, We had invested in them and uh, uh, really helped them get started. And then I left the firm in 2005 once Inquirer really started getting traction in the market. They had survived the dot-com bust and had begun to really find their market. I joined them to help accelerate and scale. And that's where I met my
0: co-founders as well. And so when walk us through the process of kind of how you, Roger and Sean knew when your time at Inquirer was, you know, really over and you decide to make the leap into the Mavenlink.
1: Well, you know, when I joined Inquirer, I had already had the idea for Mavenlink. In fact, I've had it for some time and Inquirer was really kind of a proving ground, one rounding out my own skills. I'd been consulting to a lot of high tech and software companies for some time, and I had never run one or been a senior executive in one. And it's very different to uh, have to execute on somebody's uh, recommendations versus just make the recommendation. So I left the firm to to, uh, to, to join Inquirer with that in mind. And so it was really a, a proving ground for myself about running a software company. Okay. And, um, and so I shared that I had great working relationship with Sean and Roger shared the concept with them and it was kind of a you know, a no-brainer. They just said, we're in literally and like you know, over coffee, we're in. Let's go quit our job.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and the rest is history.
1: Well, there's a lot of history there, but yeah, yeah. the rest is history.
0: <laughs> so take us into that. Take us into Mavenlink. What, what is it for folks listening that don't know and how do you generate revenues?
1: So Mavenlink, we play you know, broadly in the cloud computing space. Specifically, our segment is in software as a service. So SaaS. And beyond that, it's it's a business management solution specifically for the professional services industry. So we build on our heritage and our roots and our DNA of really understanding the services industry and delivering a unified business management system to help companies better run their business. It's delivered as a as SaaS and so we're a subscription-based business model.
0: And uh, launch year, did you say that, I hear you correctly, you said that was 2008?
1: 2008 and auspiciously, um, September, 2008, specifically. Not so good timing.
0: <laughs>
1: specifically, you know, Roger says, I'm in, he goes, uh, gets married, gets back oh, from gosh. his house, all in the next month, bam, right? The bottom yeah. just falls out of the market. Um, and it was just a really interesting uh, ride to uh, to start a company at that time.
0: And I always love asking this question because it's usually embarrassing, but I think it proves an important lesson. Do you remember what your first year revenue was, even if it's totally embarrassing? It was zero. It was zero. Okay. What year did you kind of turn on the revenue spigot?
1: Uh, The beginning of January, 2010. uh, Between the time that we founded the company and really uh, clarified our vision and focus, uh, we began product development in January, 2009, and that was a broad- uh, uh, implementation of our vision, very thin technology, very broad to clarify really what we were going to go do. Mm-hmm. And then uh, about halfway through the 2009, we focused our product and then began monetizing that in 2000, beginning of 2010.
0: So how did you, a lot of folks listening right now are going, well, Nathan, how was he funding and supporting himself and the team for those two or three years before they had any revenue? How would you answer that? um
1: uh bootstrapping uh and uh, uh being very prudent uh with our dollars again you know having started the company right at the time uh that the economy was really just falling off the edge of the earth um we i actually thought we were going into a depression i thought it would last a decade Fortunately, just before, this is one of those great timing things, just before we started the company, I had sold a lot of my, not a lot, but a, a enough of my Accenture stock. I was a I had founder's stock at the time of our publication law, That did well there, um, and, and sold some stock that funded our company for three years, um, and we thought it would last a decade. Again, venture capital was hard to come by uh, during that period, too, and so we just needed to be really, really prudent with spend, and we were just, uh, you know, tightwads for
0: a long time. So over those, uh, let's just take from 2008 to the day you launched your pricing plan, how much would you say you sunk in, in terms of just money investment to pay salaries, pay engineers, to pay anything else?
1: Yeah, probably by the time we got uh, to beginning monetizing the business, we'd probably spent nearly a million dollars. Okay,
0: all self-financed though, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, got it. Okay. And then take us through to kind of where you are today, Uh, maybe not from a revenue perspective, but maybe in terms of customers or users, how many customers does Maven Link serve?
1: So we we have a very, very broad customer base in over 100 countries. Um, We serve customers from small services businesses, uh, you know, take a small marketing agency of 10 to 15, 20 people, Uh all the way up to very large public companies like GenPact, who's specifically in the services business, both outsourcing and consulting, who would have multi-thousands of users. Uh, and so it's a broad base again, across a hundred countries, we would have well over uh, 1500, uh, businesses or customers that are, are, uh, uh using our premier offering. That's our, our top tier offering. Uh, and then we would have thousands of others that use our, uh, our, what we call our teams offering. It's a light, lighter weight meant for smaller businesses.
0: I see. Yeah. And is the, do you have an inside sales team working at premier stuff? Just cause I see on the website, it looks like a kind of call in and negotiate kind of plan.
1: We, we do. We have um, a self-serve offering for the, I'll call it the, the lighter weight uh, uh, offerings. And then we have an inside sales team as well as an enterprise team, a field team for the very, very large deals.
0: Yep. So is it, Ray, just to put some boundaries on, is it fair to say you guys have somewhere between five and 10,000 kind of paying businesses, something like that? Yes. Okay. Great. And then, what about users? Do you have Do you have a free plan, or no? You just have those five to ten thousand customers. That's still your only focus. You know,
1: we 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 have a what I'll call a legacy free plan. Uh, when we first started getting our application out in traffic, we partnered with Google. We incorporated Google apps within Maven Link. If you're a Google user, we really organized your Google life. Google promoted us through their Google Apps Marketplace, and, the, and that was a, our principal distribution channel. How did
0: you How did you line that up?
1: Uh, Through uh, friends and connections, we've been in the industry a long time. So we got wind that they were going to be promoting uh, a broad distribution of their apps through partners. So we partnered with them and uh, ended up becoming the number one installed app across every category in the world for four years Mm -hmm. through the Google Apps Marketplace, which drove tens of thousands of visits to Mavenlink at 0 uh acquisition cost. Let's so we lined with a premium model with Google Apps at the time was a free principally a premium model and that really helped us find our market.
0: I'd love to chat more, kind of about customer acquisition costs. So it sounds like you you had a, a big win there on kind of the organic side, and a lot of things. When I have people that have raised a bunch of capital, and, and Ray, you probably know this because you've seen way more than me, they get they get way less creative because the answer to everything is throw money at it. Um, what are some things that you're doing? You already mentioned the the marketplace for organic growth. Are there any other organic channels you're doing? And if not, what are you? What is your CAC? What are you willing to spend to acquire a new customer?
1: Sure. So um, I agree with you that uh, you know the, the the amount of money you have in your bank account really influences you. And uh, you know, most people, most businesses, uh, when we first started out, because of when we started out, we we got really good at uh, managing cash. And um, I'm a big you know philosophy uh, uh, proponent that um, you know if you're rich, you don't have to balance your checkbook. And so uh, we didn't start off rich relative to others who had already raised significant venture capital. And so we, we had to look for creative ways of acquiring customers. I mentioned the Google Apps Marketplace, uh, that was a big one for us. We do a lot of things related to uh, content marketing. Uh, we do participate in events, now those are paid, however they're big returners, so event marketing. But content uh, is a big component of our organic uh,
0: uh, traffic to Maven Lake. Ray, what was the last conference that you sponsored and how much was it? Just out of curiosity. So we, the most recent one was um, we did two last month.
1: Oh, a uh, force. And the other one was the uh, uh, technology services world put on by the TSIA uh, technology services industry association. Uh, that one is very, very focused on uh, service providers in the technology space. Great conference. I don't recall exactly how much these things are in the, you know, 10s often, you know, up to a $100,000. That's what I was in ask that. you, okay. Yeah, are the, multiple 10s and up to maybe a $100,000 for, for those kinds of sponsorships.
0: So this is a dangerous question because, and, and you clearly have this sectioned and you have different, you treat these different cohorts very differently. So me asking kind of this weighted average question is probably dangerous. But uh, if I asked you just to answer, what are you willing to acqu- pay to acquire a new business? What would your answer be?
1: You know, it, it's really broad um, and it's yeah. difficult to really pin down because of the breadth. If you look at, um, we acquire a, a great number of customers uh, for free. And when I say large, I mean, these are uh, you know dozens and dozens and dozens of new businesses every single month at zero acquisition cost for all intents and purposes other than the cost of producing content. Um, then we will have a bigger range where we'll acquire say a $3 million deal for a large enterprise customer that might've taken us, you know, six months and a team of, you know, maybe two or three seasoned folks to go get. So whatever that salary was, yeah. right. For, yeah. for that long. So it can be very, very plus broad, travel, Right. That Plus travel and everything else. So you really have to look at customer acquisition costs by channel and how much yield you get, from customers in those channels. And, and the, the, I guess the message is manage it by channel and really look at the payback. And if you can get it, you know, as you're scaling your company, we're from 12 to 18 month payback on that acquisition cost. If you keep your customers longer than three years, you're in good shape. That would be the way I think about it. So
0: generally speaking, are you keeping customers longer than three years, meaning your gross monthly customer turn is less than about
1: 2%? Yeah, I'll tell you the, the really cool thing about our business is, um, we offer a solution that directly impacts the profitability of these businesses. And when they become more profitable, they scale. Essentially, we like to say, we, we help them scale at will. And so it's kind of like a, if you look at our net, ret- net dollar retention over the course of the of the lifetime of cohorts, it looks more like a smile curve. That's great. Right? It, you, can, you can go down and you get some churn, but the people that stay with you uh, grow and grow substantially. And so, those cohorts over time actually increase from the initial dollar amount versus most people will model a you know an LTV down to zero at some point. We're the opposite of that.
0: When you layer these cohorts on top of each other, uh, and, and uh, by the way, I love that you're doing cohort analysis. I meet so many people that don't understand the importance of time or cohorts or different channels. But when you layer these on top of each other, does that bring up a kind of a monthly uh, net revenue churn uh, where it's negative? In other words, you're upselling current customers more than what you're losing? Yeah, that's
1: exactly right. That's the beauty of the business. And what I was talking about with a smile curve, you'll get a little bit of a dip, you know, uh, uh, if I look over a three year period, right? Um, Where uh, you might lose some after the first year. However, the ones that stay have actually grown much, much larger than the uh, ones that you lost. And so you get this negative churn. So on a cohort by cohort, basis, it actually grows. Yeah, versus declines over time.
0: Yep. Last few questions before we before we get into the wrap up here, Ray. Um, what are your triggers you're using? So a lot of SaaS companies they'll use number of seats, and I'm thinking this might be your answer, but they use number of seats or they use some feature or number of contacts or number of projects per month. What are kind of your 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 variable metrics like that that are that are helping you upsell customers as usage grows?
1: Yes. Yeah, so, um, well, on the upsells, it's really a, on a, a capability or feature basis. If I look at what how we measure the business and are we growing, it is the total number of net new seats at the target seat price, regardless of the number of accounts, the total seats added in a month at the target seat price. And so did we add you know, a- annual contract value per target in the month.
0: I see. And is it target seat prices at that four dollars per month that I see little asterisks on your pricing page or no?
1: Our self serve. Our our premier offerings can go as high as seventy nine dollars a month per seat. Or per seat for the all in offering. Got it, including all the features. All the features, all the business intelligence, everything. Yeah, yeah. Makes
0: great sense, awesome. And quickly, uh, still, uh, still bootstrapped.
1: Uh, No, we've taken a substantial amount of venture capital since those early days. Ray, you gave Uh, in. uh, You know, we we, we wanted to be the (laughs) top decile SaaS company. So eventually, uh, starting about 2011, when the VC market came back, uh, we had a chance to go win this market. And since then, we've raised 45 million dollars.
0: Okay, so 45 million, what is that? Maybe through series A, B, maybe C, you're done? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, very cool. Um, And team size, how many?
1: So we have approaching 200 people um, uh, in the company, broadly distributed across four offices, Irvine, San Francisco, Salt Lake City, and Boston. Uh, We will open up our London office next month.
0: Very cool. Well, Ray, if people want to follow you guys as you continue building this business, where's the best place online for them to do that?
1: Boy, I would say, you know, follow us on on, on Twitter, right? And you'll get a real good feed on content and things that uh, that we do. Um, We also uh, post content on LinkedIn and other channels you can find available on the web. But probably Twitter is the best place to access content that we generate and really get some thought leadership to provide your business.
0: All right, guys, I talked about this earlier, but I schedule like so many meetings, it would blow your mind. I mean, all my podcast interviews, right? Hundreds of bunch more I talk to monthly, I schedule. And you know what? I do it so efficiently. I get them all to agree to my calendar. So all the calls are back to back to back. That means I'm not switching in between tasks all day long. I get them to batch. That I can be very efficient. It's so critical. And I use a tool called Acuity Scheduling to do this at NathanLacca.com forward slash schedule. It eliminates the back and forth between me and people I'm trying to meet with. It makes it very simple. And most importantly, they help me keep my no show rate very low because they send out reminders. Helps you look very professional. So go to NathanLacca.com forward slash schedule to sign up and you get a great deal. You know, you guys know this. I hit people hard, I make great deals. Gavin, the CEO, has given us a great deal. If you sign up like normal people, okay, on their website, you only get a 14-day free trial. If you use my link, nathamlacka.com forward slash schedule, you get 45 days free. Okay, it's the best. It's free. Go to nathamlacka.com forward slash schedule right now to sign up, and I'll see you there. All right. Top drive. will link to that in the show notes at NathanLatka.com com forward slash the top four, seven, nine. Again, that's forward slash the top four, seven, nine. Ray final five questions is a rapid fire. One word answers. You ready? Okay. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Um, good to great. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Benny off. Number three, is there a favorite online tool you have like fresh books? Um, uh, For me, it's Evernote. Okay, number four, uh, yes or no, do you get eight hours of sleep every night? I don't, but uh, (laughs) I'll call it seven. There you go, and what's your situation, Ray? Married, single, you have
1: kids? I am married for 30 years with two kids, one out of college, one completing college. Wow,
0: congratulations, and how old are you? I am 55. Okay, so last question. I ask all that just to give audience context. So take us back 25 years. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew?
1: Um, boy, um, that I would uh, actually end up achieving what I had set out to do and b- have the confidence that I was going to end up where I expected to. I'm doing exactly what I had hoped I would do 25 years ago.
0: How refreshing. Guys, you heard it here from Ray, set out to achieve big things, father of two, growing MavenLink, 45 million Rays, serving between five and 10,000 customers, really, really a big market. He's going to be a fun one to watch. Ray, thank you for taking us to the top. My pleasure. If you enjoyed Ray today, go back and listen to Ben Dobbins yesterday. He's looking at potentially killing Netflix because fans are paying him up to $500,000 to keep their favorite shows around. Okay, Top Tribe, I'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning. And don't forget, before you listen to any other episodes, subscribe on iTunes right now for your chance to win 100 bucks every Monday.